Welcome to the Life Well Lived podcast. I'm Kayla Brandon, a holistic health coach and wellness enthusiast. I am absolutely obsessed with learning about people who live their most authentic lives. In this podcast, you'll hear stories about those who truly live a life well lived and what they do mentally, spiritually, and physically to get there. Thanks so much for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump into your daily dose of practical advice on pursuing a life with purpose and passion. This week, I interviewed Jess Sukan, a board-certified holistic health and hormone coach who helps her clients find a life of bliss. I've known Jess since 2017 when I was actually a client of hers, and I can confidently say she's a sound voice in the wellness space today. In this episode, we discuss her life before becoming a health coach, how her relationship to food has changed throughout the years, the damage of over-exercising and under-eating, how to use food as fuel, some healthy swaps for packaged foods, and so much more. Without further ado, let's get into it. Jess, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Kayla. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. I cannot believe it has taken us this long, and I'm terrible at math, so I'm not even going to try to do it. <laughs> but since 2017, we met uh, virtually, and I did your your sexy sugar cleanse, and it's just really coming full circle now because you you really catapulted me into the wellness space and holistic health and wanting to learn more about it. And now I'm sitting here interviewing you and it's just, it's incredible to see what you've done with your career. So um, thank you you for coming on the podcast first and foremost. And I guess I kind of skipped ahead, but for those who might not know you in your own words, can you just tell us a little bit who you are, like holistically, um, you know, what are your roles in life? Like, what do you do? You know, are you married? All that good stuff. Yeah. Well, I totally agree. So it's crazy that was five years ago because that was when I literally first launched my business and the sugar cleanse was like the very first product that I ever had and released. So it's so cool that, I mean, you never really know like the impact that you have on people's lives. And it's really cool to hear that that kind of catapulted you into the realm of holistic health because you're obviously crushing it and, and, you know, doing great things in this space. So that's really all I want is just like, to educate, inspire, and just support women and becoming their own health advocates. And so, yeah, I'm Jess and I have been a health coach now for five years, which is crazy. Um, I left my corporate job back in 2016, I believe, or 2015, 2015, I believe. Um, and I went on this path of holistic healing and and sign up for the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to become a health coach and left this like super crazy stressful corporate job so that I could heal my body because I was dealing with a lot of hormonal imbalances. I was having debilitating migraine headaches. I also was yo-yo dieting and restricting all the time. And it wasn't until I kind of took a look at my lifestyle and decided to make intentional changes and got to the root of my imbalances and really went down the route of like natural healing that everything changed for me. And I felt like I had to help other women do the same. I mean, fortunately, I was raised by a hormone health educator for a mom. She wasn't always a hormone health educator, but she was always a health educator. And it's interesting how even though I had this built-in resource and support, you kind of rebel when you're younger. And it was like, you know, I just kind of had to go my own path. I was wanting to, you know, join all my friends and do like the Sunday brunch thing and like binge drinking on the weekends. And um, I wanted to be skinny because I felt like that would make me more lovable or dateable or accepted. And so I would restrict and I didn't really know how to, you know, balance blood sugar or pair different macronutrients. So it was really just about calorie restriction for me. And it's just so interesting because I would never um, regret or take back any of the experiences that I had, even though a lot of them were really tough, because I really think that my message is my story is now my gift. And I've been able to, since that point, grow a business on my own and then join forces with my family business, Your Hormone Balance, to help women get to the root of hormonal imbalances and rebalance naturally. And so, yeah, it's been a journey to get here and it's definitely taken 
a lot of effort and a lot of like highs and lows. I mean, entrepreneur life is not, you know, it's glamorized, but it's really, really hard. It's extremely um, taxing sometimes. And there's a lot of highs and lows, especially because you're never sure like if the new program that you launch or the ebook that you do is going to like take off in the way that you hope. And, you know, you don't have set, you don't have a set schedule. And yes, I'm married. I've been married for almost 10 years and, you know, he's also an entrepreneur. So that balance, like striking that balance between, you know, supporting each other, but also not working crazy, crazy hours that you can actually spend time together. And I just see a lot of women in wellness almost like catapulting themselves back into illness because of how hard they work for other people and sometimes put themselves last. And so that's something that, you know, I've noticed to be a tendency in myself as well um, over the years. So it's something I'm currently working on, Um, just like creating, you know, creating space and creating balance for myself within this industry, because I really feel like Unless I show up for myself first, I can't fully show up for my clients. So I have so many non-negotiables that I've incorporated into my routine over the years. And it allows me to really do the work that I do and help women to step into the 2.0 versions of themselves. Well, that was an incredible like introduction into like your past, kind of what you do now and what you're kind of like working toward is just helping other women. And I, I know you've done that the past five years and you continue to, and I'm sure you will in 2023. Um, mm-hmm. But I think your message and your story is really, I, really what resonated with me, which is why I wanted to do your sexy sugar cleanse, um, because I think a lot of us can relate to your story. And so I know you touched on it, but I would love um, if if we could just dive a little bit deeper into like, what was your mindset around food and exercise when you were at like, what you would consider like your like most unhealthy in terms of your relationship with food and and working out and things like that? Because I think a lot of people assume that it's just on the outside you look skinnier and like that must be a that must have been your lowest point but sometimes it's actually not your skinniest when you were at your mental worst. Mhm. That's so true. Yeah. I mean for me I yo-yo dieted for straight 12 years. So it's like there's so many points of that. I wouldn't say that there's just like one point at which I was my lowest, but you know, when you yo-yo diet typically you are obviously trying so many different fads, but also your weight yo-yos. So for me, it was like I had lost 45 pounds at one point, gained back 10, lost five, gained back 20, lost 15, gained back 30. Like it was just all over the place and that really impacts your hormones as well. And so not only was I dealing with, you know, these weight fluctuations, which was really a hit to my confidence levels, Um, and my mental health, but then I was dealing with hormonal imbalances and irregular periods and low libido and tanked energy and really heightened cravings. And so I would say one of my lowest points was actually to your point, I wasn't at my thinnest, but I was doing like it was when I first moved to LA, I moved from Portland, Oregon, and I love LA. It's truly my home. I can't imagine being anywhere else but Southern California, but there is something, does something near mind when you move to LA and you, I worked in the entertainment industry and I was around both jobs that I started out with here. I was a lot around a lot of celebrities, a lot of, um, high performing, very type A women who also cared a lot about how they looked and their weight and their fashion. And I was working in West Hollywood and it was just the comparison game. It was really, really tough. And everywhere I would go, it's like, oh my gosh, like every single person has perfect style or it felt that way and like perfect bodies or, you know, quote unquote, perfect bodies. And so I started getting back into unhealthy patterns and was doing like a HIIT training class probably five to six times a week. And the class was 45 minutes of straight work. And like, I mean, it was a total of an hour, but 45 minutes straight work. I would drive to that class, dreading it the entire way there, just like 
having this mental battle with myself and I would just say, no, you got this. Like, you're going to feel so good afterwards. Like, just focus on that. It's going to be over soon. Like, you're going to be so glad you did it. And it was like, literally every time I would drive there, I'd have to have this like pep talk with myself. And on top of it, I would barely eat anything before I went because I was restricting myself. So I wouldn't have, I would barely have any energy during this workout. And then I would get done with the workout and I would go next door to the little like mini mart and try to find like whatever low calorie protein bar I could eat, which was like filled with like processed ingredients. And, you know, I would like, I remember looking at the drinks and it's like, oh no, that has like, you know, 20 calories in it. Like I need to find one that has nothing. And, um, and then, you know, I'd be like so drained from these workouts, but I, and my body wasn't changing. Like I wasn't getting fitter. I wasn't losing weight. And on top of it, I would go to work and I would drink, well, I wouldn't eat first thing in the morning. I would get to work and drink like two big cups of coffee, like really crappy coffee from the break room. And I would have like one rice cake with cottage, not um, with cream cheese on it. And sometimes like a couple slices of like super processed turkey bacon. And that was my breakfast. And it's like, I don't know, is that like a hundred calories, maybe like 150 calories. And my coworkers started seeing what I was doing. So then everyone in my little office started eating that for breakfast. They're like, oh, that's such a good idea. Like it's so low calorie and it fills you up. And so we're all just like supporting each other in this like unhealthy habit. And then, you know, I was just restricting all week long. And then on the weekends I would binge. So I would go and get um, bottomless mimosa brunch literally every weekend, if not every Sunday, sometimes Saturday and Sunday and get like wasted, drink all these mimosas, which I don't even know how I did that. Cause I would get a migraine just after one right now. Um, and then, and also like whatever food came along with it and then you're really drunk. So then later you get drunk food, drunk munchies and, then I would just tell myself like, it's okay because on Monday you're going to get back to the hit workout. Like you're going to get back to tracking everything you eat. And I didn't even track everything at that point. I used to be obsessed with tracking every calorie, but it was like, I got to a point where I pretty much just knew how to tally up calories in my head. So I was just always trying to stay like around 1300, which is so freaking low. And, um, I don't even know what that would look like these days because I don't count calories. But very low. Oh, it's so low. Like it truly is. I feel like if I ate 1300 calories right now, I would be miserable. Like even one day of doing that. And, but your body kind of adapts to that low nutrition. And so, and then, and then of course, like, I didn't know this at the time, but like I was wrecking my hormones. I was slowing down my metabolism because of how little I was eating, which then messes with your thyroid. And obviously with your mood and your cravings. And I was really snappy, you know, and I was like moody, um, not to, not to really friends or coworkers because I've always been a people pleaser, like recovering people pleaser. I still kind of am, but, um, more so to like the people I loved, which is pretty shitty. And yeah, I mean, that was truly my lowest low because not only did I not feel good, but I was seeing literally no results, but I just kept, I was so afraid to stop the hit training. So I'm like, well, I'm not really seeing results, but like if I stop, then I'm for sure going to gain like a ton of weight. So I just have to keep doing this to at least stay where I am. And it just, yeah, it wasn't sustainable. And I was just constantly comparing myself to like influencers and celebrities and like my coworkers love taking photos of each other on walks and they try to take photos of me and it just made me feel so uncomfortable. So I became like their pseudo photographer. I was like, no, like you guys go to that like fun wall and like, I'll take the photo of you. And yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but that was my lowest point. I would say one of them. Thank, well, thank you for sharing. Cause I feel like a lot of that probably is stuff that you like haven't thought about in a long time. Totally. You know what I mean? Like who sits there and is like ruminating on all these like terrible times in their lives? Um, Not that that – not that everything was probably bad in your life, but like I feel like when your mindset around food is not healthy, I feel like it kind of bleeds into every other area of your life. So Mm -hmm. um, I empathize with that and I can relate to a lot of what you just said. Um, But like being – more positive and focusing on like the present and being intentional 
um, in this interview, what does your relationship with food and exercise look like today in relation to what it used to? I feel like it obviously is like leaps and bounds ahead of, of where you were. Yes, such a good question. Um, so now I I'm just so happy with the place that I've come to and it's actually improved even more this last year which is really cool to say. Like I already thought I was in a really good place, but then over this past year, I've been working on other things, which I can talk about. But um, yeah, I mean, right now I feel that I really focus like 99% of the time I focus on how I want to feel versus how I want to look or how much I want to weigh. Whereas it used to be the opposite. It was like always focusing on the number on the scale and not thinking about how I wanted to feel. Like it didn't matter if I was low energy, if I felt like crap, like as long as I was skinny, it's kind of like where my mentality was. Um, And so now I take action based on a place of how I want to feel. And I really encourage my clients to do the same thing because even if your goal is weight loss, which is totally fine if that's your goal, um, then if you're just focusing on a number, what you do to get to that number is not necessarily going to be the healthiest or the most sustainable. And so if you can focus on, okay, well, I want to feel energized so I can, you know, play with my kids at night and not fall asleep on the couch. Like I want to feel, I want to have a great libido. So like, I actually like want to jump on my husband, like on the weekends, instead of just like not being into it at all. Like I want to, you know, have glowing skin because like, I know that and and also like, because that makes me feel better from the inside out. I want to, I mean, so many, like, especially for women dealing with hormone imbalances, a lot of them don't even realize how good they could be feeling. Like I want my premenstrual week to come and go and not even like really think about it. Maybe I'm like a little bit more tired and whatever, but like I, I tune into that and I honor that and I take some time for myself, but like, I don't want to be like, having this week out of every month where I'm just like debilitated by this pain or these cravings or whatever it is. And just kind of like painting that picture of how you want to feel. And also like, how do you want to feel in your clothes? Like, it's not about a number. Like I want to feel confident. I I remember for me, it was like, I just want to be able to get dressed quickly instead of spending like 45 minutes, like changing my outfits 15 times and then like looking at every angle and then eventually still hating what I saw, but being like, well, I'm out of time. So I guess this is it. And like that, if you can paint that picture, it has such a better impact and you're able, it, I always say like you create a magnetic visualization of where you want to be. And it's like a magnet. It pulls you towards it because you can kind of taste you can feel it, like what it would be like to be there because you put all this detail to to it and then you're just so motivated to take action as if you're already in that place. So I really try to do that. Just create those positive visualizations, focus on how I want to feel. And because of that, I now know, and also like learning how to track my cycle, learning to tune in with the four phases of the menstrual cycle, like having more grace with my body, a better understanding for why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling during different times of the month. I'm able to complement that with foods that actually make me feel my best instead of just focusing on calories. And for a very long time, I completely restricted carbohydrates, like would not even touch them unless it was on the weekends. And now I eat them literally, I would say every meal. Um, but I just know how to balance them with proteins and fats to where like, I feel really satiated afterwards. I go, you know, three, four hours between meals and I look up and I'm like, Whoa, it's already dinner. I mean, I didn't even think about food when I used to think about food every second of every day. Um, I don't, I really don't like Yeah. I get excited about meals and that maybe is controversial because people, you know, certain experts were will like try to say that there shouldn't be this emotional attachment to food, but I disagree with that. I think food is emotional and it, it it should be enjoyed and you should be able to look forward to food. I think you should love everything you're eating. I don't think that there's any need to be eating a meal that's not enjoyable. And so, yeah, I actually like really look forward to every meal. It's like, wow, it's so freeing just to be like, no, I love food. I love eating. I love my meals and I look forward to them, but I don't eat from a place of like punishing myself anymore. You know, it was like I used to eat from a place of punishment, punishment because I wasn't thin enough or I would restrict and not eat for punishment. 
um, or I would exercise as a form of punishment because of what I ate or drank the night before. Like, oh, you ate too much the night before. Well, you're going to have to like go extra hard on the treadmill today. Um, or, or just like what I did where I uh, did hit training five times a week, the purpose of that was to lose weight. I don't go to the gym anymore to get skinny. I'm going right now to gain strength and to see what my body is capable of. And for the first time ever, and this is why I think I'm in a even healthier relationship this year, I hired a coach, um, a trainer who creates these like workout programs for me. And she's really encouraged me to increase my calories even more. And so like this past year, I've increased by like four to 500 more calories than I was eating. And I don't know, probably closer to like four, three to 400, but still, and like, we're in a phase right now where she's like, let's bump it up again. Like if you want to put on muscle, like we need to be like bumping it up again. And it's, it can be hard to do that. And yeah, the mental side of me still struggles a little bit when it's like, whoa, I'm like adding another 200 calories to already like a good amount of calories every day. But when I get to that place, I just remind myself, no, like this is going to help you to get stronger, to lift heavier weights, to like, you know, tone, get that like more muscle tone in your arms, which is what I want. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with having aesthetic goals. I think it's having a really strong and healthy why and the action steps that you take to get there as well. So I used to track calories to restrict, but now I actually loosely track them to make sure I'm eating enough. And that's a really cool place to be. It's like, whoa, I'm not actually tracking to deprive myself. I'm tracking to make sure that I'm getting enough protein. I'm getting enough calories that I can fuel those workouts. So, I mean, truly the whole mindset shift has been the biggest part of my transformation. Yeah, I can tell just like in hearing you talk about it, like you are excited about your relationship with food as opposed to like feeling any shame around it. I feel like it's all like very positive energy and and that's – an amazing place to be. And I'm sure you're helping other women with that too. And I know you helped me at least in 2017. Like I said, I did your first ever cleanse. You were like a brand new health coach. And I found you through um, Krista Williams from Almost 30. Oh yeah. And yeah. And we're still in touch today. Like she's awesome. And so is Lindsay. I'm so happy for their success. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I did your cleanse through after meeting you through her And it really opened my eyes to how much refined sugar is in so much of what we eat, especially obviously packaged foods especially. Um, When I took out the refined sugar and like really started reading my labels more, I immediately felt a shift in my mood, in my anxiety, in my sleep, and how I just generally felt. So can you talk to the audience a little bit about sugar and especially refined sugar and how really taking it out of of your diet – has benefits that like are far beyond just like your physical health. Yeah. No, I love, I love that question. And it's interesting because my mindset has shifted slightly since I did that, since I created that sexy sugar cleanse, I actually no longer offer it because as much as it can be really beneficial to go for a short period of time, it was a short cleanse. It was like 20 days. It was like, yeah, it was like not yeah. even a month. No. And it was like all whole foods. Like it Mm -hmm. wasn't like restricting calories. It was literally just removing the sugar, but it was also very low carb because you're removing carbohydrates that ultimately turn to sugar in the body. And I do feel that for people that are addicted to sugar or feel very reliant on it, it can be really helpful to do a short detox. But then the idea is that you reintroduce those foods in after the 20 days slowly But that reintroduction phase, I really felt like unless I was one-on-one, like privately coaching someone through it, I didn't feel confident that people were actually utilizing that reintroduction phase in the most healthy, abundant way. And so I just felt like it no longer really aligned with like the way that I coach now. Like if someone is wants to do like a short detox like that, then great. But like we need to reintroduce carbohydrates. Like we need to bring them back in and then we need to get you to a place where like you're learning how to combine those carbohydrates with protein and fats and fibers to stabilize blood sugar. But when you don't have that coach or that like one-on-one support through that process, like, you know, I was noticing people going back and like redoing the cleanse a lot. And it's like, that wasn't really the idea of like, oh, you've done 20 days. Let's go another 20 and go another 20. And so I just kind of felt like 
I can educate around sugar, but I don't, I don't want to create a cleanse unless I can provide support along with it. So, but when it comes to refined sugar, it's essentially just processed sugar and it's devoid of any nutrition. Um, and then plus the fact that when you find this refined sugar and processed packaged foods, it also comes alongside things like artificial coloring, preservatives, other processed ingredients. So typically refined sugar is not something that you just find by itself. Um, and all of those things together can have a really negative impact on the gut and the liver, which are both really integral for proper hormone health and our hormones control and rule literally everything from like our weight to our brain function, to our period health, to fertility, libido. I mean, you name it, it's, it comes down to hormone health. And so refined sugar really throws a wrench in that optimal hormone balance. And it's not to say that you can't or should never have refined sugar. Again, like I don't believe in total restriction of anything, um, but it's just having the knowledge of, okay, this is what it's doing to my body. This is, it, it's also very addicting. And essentially what happens is that when you eat sugar, especially, I mean, truly any type of sugar, but especially sugar that's simple carbohydrates, simple sugars, refined sugars, they're quickly, very quickly digested by the bloodstream and release a burst of dopamine and serotonin, the feel-good hormones, the neurotransmitters. And that makes us want another hit. So it's like the reward center of the brain lights up. And it's like, ooh, that felt good. Eat it, do it again, do it again. And it becomes this vicious cycle. And then on top of it, your dopamine receptors become numb after time. So it, maybe when you first had that processed chocolate bar, it satisfied you. You had it and you're like, you know what, I'm good. But then when you keep having it, those dopamine receptors are numbed and you don't get the same euphoric high that you once eat did. And so then the more sugar you eat, the more you crave it, the more you eat. And so it is this cycle and it's that overconsumption that can lead to these hormonal imbalances, can lead to insulin resistance, which can create increased fat storage, as well as lead to hormonal conditions like polycystic ovarian um, syndrome, PCOS, and increased risk for diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and then also high insulin levels, lower sex hormone binding globulin known as SHBG, which then dumps estrogen into your system. And so higher levels of estrogen can increase symptoms like sore boobs before your period, weight gain, difficulty losing weight. A lot of women we work with that have high estrogen relative to progesterone or estrogen dominance will say like, I've tried every diet under the sun and like what used to work no longer works for me. And and just like heavy, painful periods. So there's also other symptoms as well. So it's it's not just like one thing. There's so many systems in the body that, you know, too much sugar can impact. And, and again, like it can impact the gut, which is where we produce the majority of our serotonin, which then impacts your mood. So it really is super important to understand like the impact that these highly refined sugars can have on the body. And honestly, just too much sugar in general, even if it's a more natural form or too many simple carbohydrates like white bread and pastas and rice and things like that, if we're having those in high amounts, that can also lead to insulin resistance, even if it's not necessarily a refined sugar. And that can also impact our hormones. So it's really important to understand like what is a, you know, how do I choose majority, more nutrient-rich variations of these sugars and these carbs, and how can I adequately pair them to support better blood sugar balance so that I don't have to completely eliminate them? Because when you completely eliminate carbs and sugar, then again, what are you going to think about? All you're going to think about is carbs and sugar, and eventually you're probably going to binge on them, and again, the cycle begins, and it's not just a sugar cycle, but it's a really, um, a really challenging cycle with your mind too. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of like the summary of it, but I do think the education around like, how can you pair these sugars and carbs and what to look for when you read labels in the grocery store is key. Yeah. And it, cause people can't live in a bubble where they, they, I mean, some people can, and I applaud them for this, like living just like on a farm or yeah. like not ever having access to a grocery store. And like some of those things are 
you know, have to deal with like accessibility to grocery stores, which don't even get me started on like all the food deserts that we have in this country where the closest access point to food, any kind of food, whether it's like Twinkies or whatever at a convenience store is like a gas station. Like that's their closest grocery store. Otherwise, like where are they going to eat? Where are mm-hmm. they going to get their food? Um, that bothers me so much. So I feel like a lot of what you just said really resonates because we can't live in this like vacuum of wellness. We have to like live in the real world, but we have to be empowered with education to read nutrition labels. Unfortunately, we live in a country that has a lot of ingredients that are legal that actually are illegal in a lot of places like the EU and Australia Mm -hmm. um, and these other well-developed countries that are clearly just like prioritizing their citizens' health far more than our country is right now. Um, So what are some good swaps for people if they are if they want to still include some packaged goods, which we all do. We all are, you know, we're living in 2023. You, there's no way you can just like not have any type of packaged good in your totally. diet. And if you do, I'm very impressed. So what kind of swaps can people make? Because there are a lot of things that are um, deceiving. Like when you look at the label, which I'm also very passionate about, is teaching people how to read a nutrition label and look for keywords mm-hmm. and buzzwords and be alarmed by them, right? Like just because it says gluten-free does not mean it's healthy. Just because it says mm-hmm. vegan does not mean it's healthy. So what are some of the things that people should look for on these labels? And also what are some like like a few handful of swaps that they could make, um, let's say like, you know, a candy bar or like things like that that could just have um, – they could just have like better options in their pantry? Yeah, definitely. So I think what I always say is help I, – I love to help people become their own compassionate detective. So instead of like going into the grocery store with this mindset of like, stress, like, oh no, I got to turn over every label to make sure I don't eat the wrong thing. It's like, no, I'm this compassionate detective. I'm going in and I'm just comparing labels and figuring out which one is going to be the best choice for my goals, like my health goals, my energy goals, like what, however you want to feel, like what is going to be the best choice for me without depriving myself, without feeling like I can only eat whole foods because that person who only eats whole foods and doesn't eat a single processed packaged food also like I question like how are they feeling mentally, you know, I mean, that's that can also be a form of restriction. And so I think allowing ourselves, giving ourselves permission to have more convenient style foods, but also just know what to look for because we make these broad statements of to your point, like, oh, gluten free or um plant-based or dairy-free, like all of these different buzzwords, keto. Yeah. There's so many unhealthy keto foods out there. And so, and like very highly processed, um, so many of like the gluten-free breads have like 60 ingredients in them or like 30 ingredients. And the first four ingredients are all different forms of sugar. And so, I would say number one is just if you're, you know what you're going for, if it's a cracker, for example, and you go to the cracker aisle and there's a bunch of different crackers, you can't really rely on what the label says, like healthy or, you know, even organic can be misleading. And so just turning around the box and I say, look at the ingredients list. So anything that's super, super long, unless it's, you know, majority whole food ingredients, typically I just turn that one back you know, because it's going to have a lot of most likely preservatives and additives. And also if you are someone that has digestive issues or bloating, if you eat a packaged or processed food that has 50 ingredients, how are you ever supposed to know which one of those ingredients is causing the digestive issue? So you won't. And so looking for shorter ingredient lists, know that the first ingredient on the ingredient list, there's always, so that first ingredient, there's going to be more of that ingredient than any other ingredient listed. So if sugar is first, there's more sugar than anything else. If the last ingredient is sugar, then it's like, oh, okay, well, there's you know 15 ingredients in here. The last ingredient is sugar. There's, there's really not that much sugar. And then you can cross-reference that with the nutrition label for something like sugar. So typically then go and look at added sugars and see how many of those sugars are added. And if there's a lot of added sugar, you have to think about, you know, trying to keep for women consumption around 25 grams of added sugar per day. 
And so if it's got 15 grams of added sugar, then you've already used up a lot of sugar for the day. And I'm not saying to get obsessive about it and feel like you have to hit 25 every day, but just having that knowledge of like, oh, if the goal is around 25 and this one drink has 15 grams, like, is that where I want to use it? Um, So looking at the added sugar, looking at the types of sugar, especially when we're talking about sugars. So anything that ends in OSE is basically sugar. So glucose, um, fructose, maltose, like any of those oses are sugars. Um, High fructose corn syrup will spike your blood sugar levels just as high as like agave nectar. So also looking out for agave, which is marketed as a health food and it's not, it's very processed. It's a refined sugar. And so looking at stuff like that, and then also, um, anything that says syrup typically is going to be a refined sugar, but then that's a little bit tricky because there are some more natural sugars like date syrup now, which is, is, is more natural. And so then looking for those more natural sugars. So like dates, coconut, um, I love it when almond milks or any type of like non-dairy milk sweetens the milk with dates instead of sugar because it's a higher sugar fruit, um, but it's not going to be processed. So yeah, just keeping an eye out for that. Um, and then what else? I would say looking at the protein content too, which is kind of a wild card, but most women are unintentionally under eating protein. And so if you can, like if it's a food that has protein in it, see if you can get one that has a higher protein content because it's also going to keep you fuller for longer. And and then just looking for sneaky little ingredients like oils, um, processed oils, seed oils. Um, I mean, unfortunately, like canola oil and sunflower oil and safflower oil are in so many products, even some of the healthier products. So it's not necessarily about cutting them all out, but just lessening the load. And if there's a couple products that you like that have sunflower oil or safflower oil, you know, at least if it could be organic, that's going to be a better choice. There's definitely packaged foods that I buy that have those oils in them. But for the most part, I try to really focus on things like avocado oil, um, olive oil, coconut oil, just more of those whole food oils, those healthy omega-3 rich fats. And you'll see like when you look at something like a nut milk, there's oftentimes, or like an oat milk, there's oftentimes canola oil, or especially in oat milk, there's rapeseed oil, which is canola oil, which is very inflammatory. Um, so I think the oils, the sugars, the processed additives, which, you know, like the blue, like the red dye 40, the blue, whatever, the yellow, like all the colors, <laughs> artificial colors of the rainbow, like look to try to keep those out. Um, and if there's a ton of ingredients that people always say that you can't pronounce, but sometimes those, you can't pronounce certain, um, ingredients that aren't too terrible. So I think just in general, it's like, you should understand what the ingredients are at least. Um, and there's a lot that you don't know what they are. There's just like a big ingredient list. Um, then, you know, to just pick the one that has, you know, less of those things. That was such a comprehensive overview. I appreciate you like diving pretty deep into, what people should be looking for um, because they're, you're right. There's like so many things you could be looking at. So you don't want to be obsessive and overwhelmed, but at the same time, once you kind of like get the hang of it, you can pretty much pick up a, a you know, a product and, and know before you even turn it around, like, okay, I don't think I should be picking this up if I want to eat more healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just no, having that totally. awareness is is key. So a few of my, I call them sexy swaps. Cause I always say like, you want your swaps to be sexy, fun, enjoyable. Like you should never be sacrificing flavor for a healthier lifestyle. I don't believe, I think that you can find a swap that you enjoy just as much, if not more. So some of my favorite swaps, okay. Tortillas. I love Siete foods. I know you know them too. Amazing. Um, I also like the Ezekiel tortillas, which has been like a new find for me. You can get them at Trader Joe's, um, but they're a complete protein actually, which is really great for vegans and they have a lot of fiber. So I really like those. Um, the Siete foods are corn free. And the thing is with corn, it's usually GMO corn. 
um, 90% of corn in the U.S. So that's another ingredient to watch out for, like corn and corn oils and stuff like that. And if you are getting corn, just that's one you really do want to try to prioritize organic. Um, and then for cookies and like mixes and stuff like that, I really like Simple Mills. They have these amazing crackers. They have like pizza mix. They have like brownies, waffles. Um, they have like crunchy cookies that you can buy. They even have like sandwich cookies now. Um, so those are, that brand is just great because pretty much anything from there, you know, is like whole food ingredients. They use like cassava root and almond flour and stuff like that extracts. So really great brand there. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many swaps. So for sugar, I love monk fruit. Um, I like the brand Lakanto. I actually make superfood latte mixes and that's what I use to sweeten them. And they're lightly sweetened, but doesn't spike your blood sugar level. It tastes a lot more like sugar than stevia does. A lot of people don't like stevia. Um, and they also have like a ton of like fun treats. So like peanut butter cups and chocolate chips and all kinds of stuff like maple syrup. So that's a fun one. Again, like those are going to be a little bit more processed. So it's not like you want to be going for those type of things all the time, but it is a good alternative. Um, and then, um, oh my gosh, like what's another popular food that I feel people like love? ketchup is a big one because like ketchup has so much sugar, but oh, people so don't realize. I, yes. I would actually say like sauces in general and salad dressings. Yeah, condiments. Yeah, condiments for sure. Primal Kitchen and Chosen Foods. Those are the two that have avocado mayonnaises. Um, again, with mayo, a lot of those are using processed oils. So avocado is a much healthier oil. So I love Primal Kitchens. Like they have ketchup, they have a Caesar. They I'm obsessed with their um, teriyaki sauce, their buffalo sauce. Like, oh my gosh, so many good sauces. Chosen food, same thing. Like great salad dressings, olive oils, like spray oils that you use in the pan. That's another one that's like, oh my God, the spray oils. So yeah, those are my favorites for sure. Yeah, Primal Kitchen is like huge and huge in my house. We have um, the like the buffalo sauce pretty much every week with like some sort of slow cooker chicken or something. Yeah. So um, it's husband approved because men, I do feel like they, a lot of them, at least that I have known, like they don't really have like that bad relationship with food. Like they were never taught to look at their yeah. bodies in that way. Um, if anything, they always said like, oh, you're too small instead mm -hmm. of like you're not, you're too big. So I feel like that is like such a good condiment to have in the house if you're trying to like cook for someone other than just like a woman who might enjoy like that kind of a flavoring. Like oh, I think guys sure. just have like different taste buds. <laughs> like, yeah. My so. husband's like the biggest critic when it comes to the sexy swap. So like any time that he's like, oh, this is good. I'm like, okay. I know. Because, yeah. you know, there's certain things that I've not been eating for so long that like I'm kind of like, is this like the real thing? Or do I have I just been eating this for so long that I think it tastes identical? Like, oh, Kite Hill – cream cheese tastes literally just like real cream cheese to me. It's made with almonds and I swear like it tastes just like cream cheese. I know. I don't know how they do it. Every time I have that, I'm like, I don't know how this came from almonds. Yeah. It's like hard to come to really come like it's hard to understand that. So yeah. I, I completely understand what you're talking about. And it, I mentioned morning routines, but I want to like jump back to it because Morning and evening routines, from what I've found in all of the interviews I've done, really set people up for success. And whether it's like mentally or just like physically and emotionally. Um, so if someone is trying to like just regulate their blood sugar, balance their hormones, kind of have like a slower paced life and eat more intentionally and have a better relationship with food, what type of morning and evening routine would you recommend? And also these could probably be your morning and evening routines because I feel like you have like a pretty good relationship with food at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So important. I'm big on morning and evening rituals because I do think that the evening sets the tone for your morning and the morning sets the tone for the rest of the day. So I think that if you can, and obviously I'm not a mom, so I know you moms are like super women, but 
I think if you can, like, give yourself just a little extra time in the morning instead of just hopping straight on a phone. And even if you have a crazy morning, I do feel like the default for people is to just grab their phone. And it's something I've been doing more lately. And I'm really like my goal this year is to just get back into my digital morning detoxes because I used to spend the first 30 minutes of every day without my phone. So that's something I don't currently do, but I do think that it's really, really helpful because as soon as we pick up our phone, our phone has control of our day versus us having control over our day and we get sucked into those emails and then we have immediate anxiety. And so I think if you can avoid that for even like five, 10 minutes, your cortisol will thank you. Um, and I would just say getting up and spending the first, even if it's like 10 minutes of every day, doing something slow and calming. So I always love to use like my little productivity planner, which literally takes five minutes and kind of just helps set me up with gratitude, my top priorities for the day, like my one word intention. And then at the end of the end of the day, I circle back to that same planner and I fill in like one thing I want to remember from the day, like what went well, what needs work, like that kind of thing. But um, I love starting with that because even if I only have five minutes in the morning, I know that I can fit that in. And then usually some type of reading. I think it depends on the person, like maybe for one person, it's reading for another person. It's listening to like some calming meditation music and, and doing a guided meditation or just breathing, just even that five minutes of just intentional time to yourself. Um, if you can get sunlight on your face, like first thing in the morning, that'll help set your circadian rhythm, which is going to just help you have more energy throughout the day, but then also help you sleep deeper at night. Even if it's overcast or dark where you are, like that's even more important to open all the windows and like just stick your face out there, um, put on all the lights in your house, like if you can, just to get that brightness, um, because that's super, super important. And then I would say a default for many, many women, especially busy moms, is to grab coffee right away. And if you can I'm guilty least, of this. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> so that's the thing is like I don't try to – tell people what they should do and as far as like, oh, you just shouldn't have any coffee. But what I will say is if you can just pair that coffee with your breakfast, like just have it with your meal. And I know it's tough when you're like running around and you want that initial thing. But if you can just wait and have it with your meal to support blood sugar balance, but also support your adrenals, that's going to go a long way in lowering that stress, that anxiety, that immediate hit to the body, um, that immediate cortisol hit to the body, which can then kind of have this ripple effect throughout the day. So, um, and it can also suppress your appetite. And for some people that seems like a good thing, but for women, intermittent fasting is another stress on the body. So then if you're not eating for like two hours, that also is more stress that you're adding to your body. And so, uh, one thing that I, I don't drink coffee, but I make these protein lattes and you can totally do that if you don't have a big appetite, but you want like something warm and cozy, you could do like a scoop of protein powder blended up with your coffee and like some flax milk or coconut milk. Um, and that way you're getting some protein and fats paired with your coffee and you could sip on that for like an hour, hour and a half and then have breakfast. So that's one little hack of like, if you don't want to eat a full meal, that's still going to help a lot. So I typically will do a protein latte first thing in the morning, um, and I always believe that getting in some form of movement. So if it's a walk, if it's stretching, if it's yoga, I like to go strength training like four times a week, really, really great for your hormones as well. And, um, you know, just I think the less stress you can pile on in the morning, the better. So like if you're drinking caffeine on an empty stomach and you're also like running around like a crazy woman and you're skipping breakfast and then you're doing a high intensity workout, like you have to think about all the stressors that you're piling on before you even start your day. And then if you're grabbing like a quick croissant or whatever at Starbucks and like a grande latte, like then you're adding sugar and caffeine. So all of those things, you know, really do have an impact on how you feel the rest of, of the day. And then obviously long-term health. So um, those are some of the main tips I would say. And I think just having grace with yourself and knowing that not every morning is going to look the same. Um, but if you can have like really easy go-to things that you can just make in five or 10 minutes, like I do not take time in the kitchen. I really don't. Like if I go to the gym, I'm making a protein latte, I'm grabbing like 
this ancient grain, like high protein waffle out of like the freezer, putting some nut butter on it, heating it up and like taking that or like I'm doing like some kind of like healthy breakfast sandwich that takes like a little bit of time to put together. Um, it just really doesn't have to take a long time to nourish yourself. So I think when I hear that as like a barrier to entry, it's like, no, you have five minutes. Like everybody has five minutes. So I think, yeah, that would be my main thing for morning. And then for evening, um, the opposite. So I would, um, darken everything. So around like five or six o'clock, just kind of whatever time it starts to be sunset where you are, dimming the lights, putting on Himalayan salt lamps is nice or like candles or just like removing those overhead lights and just getting prepping and priming your body for sleep. If you are going to be on screens um, or watching TV, if you can wear blue light blocking glasses, um, you can download the Flux app on your computer so that it and it's free and it changes the glow of your screen to match what it is outside naturally. So like it'll be more of an amber glow around sunset and then get darker at night and then it will brighten up in the day. So that's really great for your circadian rhythm as well. I think just having a separation of like work and wind down time. So for me, just the act of like, like slapping my laptop shut, I'm like, I'm done. And I just like slap it shut. And it's like, that's just a really good feeling. And then I leave the room where I do my work, my office, and I go into the main room and that's just signal signals to my body. Like it's time to wind down. And then a part of that wind down ritual is turning on calming music. I love the French cafe playlist or like jazz cooking music. Like I'm always just looking up that kind of music, making a nourishing dinner, something quick and easy, usually no more than 20 minutes and doing like a very calming skincare routine, which is typically what I'll do in the morning as well. Again, doesn't have to take a lot of time. Like mine probably takes three minutes each morning and at night. And just having that time to be like intimate with yourself and just like touch your skin, massage your face. And then really, I think that's, those are the main pillars I would say is just creating a separation of space between work and wind down time. And obviously with kids, it's going to look a lot different, but even just like turning on the calming music, like giving yourself that three minutes in the bathroom to do like the skincare, just those little mindful moments, little mindful minutes, they really do make a difference. Like you can dim your lights and still have crazy kids running around. So like, you know, you can put on blue light blocking glasses and still have kids running around. So there's definitely things that you can do, um, that will make, a difference on your sleep and then, you know, overall how the rest of the day goes too. Yes. And I'd love to hear your thoughts before we wrap on um, magnesium or like any other nighttime supplements that might help just support like a general, like health and general health and well-being, but also um, hormones. Because I do know that most people are deficient in magnesium, right? And isn't mm-hmm. that something that really helps people get like a deeper sleep? Yeah. Majority of the population is deficient and especially for women that premenstrual week, a lot of times when we crave chocolate, it's a signal from the body that we actually need more magnesium. So your body is always trying to send you a message. Um, so yeah, some dark chocolate can be really nice if you, um, you know, especially like the week before your period. But as far as like magnesium supplementation, yeah, I think the majority of people could benefit from it. Um, I like magnesium glycinate or biglycinate because it's more bioavailable, crosses the blood brain barrier. So it's a really great one. It also doesn't have like the laxative effect that like a citrate would, which if you are needing help in that department, a citrate can be helpful, but the glycinate is really great, great for sleep. Um, so I actually do take this like powder by the CBD brand beam. It's called beam dream. And it has like magnesium, L-theanine, which is a calming amino acid. It's got some CBD in there. I don't do it every night, but during periods of heightened stress, when my brain is racing, I do like to do a scoop of that and it's like a hot cocoa flavor. So that's really, yeah, it's really helpful, especially when you're traveling and outside of your routine. But I think magnesium for sure can be great. It just also relaxes the mind, the muscles, like it just relaxes everything. And so if you are somebody that has racing thoughts at night, it can also be helpful for that. I actually just had two friends of mine like, oh, Jess, like you would love this. Like we just started, found out about magnesium. Like we just started (laughs) taking it and like 
we are sleeping so well and it's just insane. And some people just are more deficient than others. So for me, it doesn't make that big of an impact, but for the people who are deficient in magnesium, it's like your body just like, you know, attaches to that, like, Oh, give it to me. I'm deficient. Like I need that. And so you're probably going to experience an even greater, um, effect from it. So yeah, magnesium, I think GABA can be helpful, um, just for calming the brain. Um, really depends like L-theanine, like I said, is a calming amino acid, which is also found in matcha, which you don't want to have before bed, but it is what gives matcha kind of that calm focused energy versus like spiking crash. So yeah. And then I love to do like a turmeric, sometimes like, um, a golden chai. I, I make one and sell one, but it's just basically turmeric and a decaf chai and then coconut milk powder, monk fruit. And it's just super calming. And I think those little rituals, like that little decaf latte that just makes you feel calm and centered is also really helpful. I don't think you need to take a million supplements, but there are some heavy hitters that for sure can help. Yeah. I totally agree on the magnesium. Like not everyone is going to feel that same effect. Um, for me, I relate to your friends where it's like when I don't take it, I notice ten like I just notice my sleep is way worse. Interesting. Uh, where I like yeah. wake up in the middle of the night and stuff, and so I think I'm just like more prone to anxiety. So the magnesium mm-hmm. just kind of gives me this like it kind of like turns my brain off a little bit, and and I'm I just normally have like racing thoughts all day in general. So I could probably mm-hmm. benefit from cutting back on the caffeine. But as you mentioned, mm-hmm. like when you have kids, it's kind of like. It's hard to do that. I know what the right thing is to do, but I do try to pair my coffee with um, something that's like more fatty too. So that usually helps like with, you know, not having like these like massive caffeine spikes and then crashes. Yeah. Um, Like a handful of nuts or something like that. So um, it's, you know, I'm not perfect every day, but I do know like everything you're saying, I'm like sitting here nodding my head thinking, yes, like we all know like in the wellness space, what to do, but some people listening might be hearing this for the first time and then looking at their day and thinking, wow, this is probably why I feel like crap because I'm doing all the things that aren't optimal for like just living like a well-rounded life, like one where you don't feel like you're burning the candle at both ends Um, because life is stressful and I just think like you're never going to avoid stress, so we might as well learn how to cope with it in a healthy way and I think a lot of that can be healed through nutrition and also like morning and evening routines, little rituals that make you feel like you have some sort of control over your day, yeah. um, even if it's like a few minutes. So yeah, I really appreciate absolutely. all of the insight that you've shared. Um, I've super just like really enjoyed all the knowledge that you've shared too. It's like very scientific, but it's also accessible and, and the way that you communicate it is um, – I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people that are listening. So um, I would love to know um, what living a life well-lived means to you. Ooh. Um, I always just kind of – so my word of the year is abundance and I really do feel like just living an abundant life you know, it's like not focusing on what you have to give up or what to restrict or what to do less of. Like, it's one of the reasons I don't like New Year's resolutions because it's always like resolving to like do something different, like give something up. It, it kind of has this like negative lack connotation. Um, so I really love just having an abundant perspective going into your life. So abundance with your food choices, abundant experiences, abundance when it comes to like just looking ahead at even your projections for your career and not not like playing small for yourself you know that's something I'm working on too is like I can have like abundant financial success and like it's okay to want that as a woman like it's okay to want that and to get after that and to have that be a goal so I think just abundance where what can I add to my life versus what can I take away because if we add more of the stuff that feels really good, then naturally the stuff that doesn't starts to fall away because there's just not a room, not room for it all. Yeah, no time for it in 2023. Yeah, I completely I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Jess, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Um, where can people find you if they want to connect and learn more about your offerings and, and your coaching and all that good stuff? 
Yeah. So you can find me at Body Bliss by Jess on Instagram. And then it's kind of weird because I have two websites now, but one is bodyblissbyjess.com. And that's where um, I sell like my latte mixes and private coaching. But bodyblissbyjess.net is where people can go if they want to apply um, to learn more about my private online coaching. I do customized meal plans, workout plans, um, one on one in app chat support weekly check-ins, all centered around abundance, hormone health, and sustainable weight loss or maintenance. So yeah, you can find me in all those places. I'm super active on Instagram. Um, literally never go on Facebook. Like I know that I post on there, but <laughs> I'm never on there. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. And I'm sure we'll We'll check in um, in the future just to see like where your business has taken you. And then you could just speak about so many topics. So I'm sure this is not going to be your only time on the podcast. So um, okay. just appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you so much for having me, Kayla. I'm so glad we reconnected. So fun. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Kayla underscore underscore Brandon. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.